podcast where we explain bands. I'm your host, Olivia Ladd. In this podcast, I choose someone from the Nashville music scene, we pick a cult band, and then go into the history and context surrounding that band. Bandsplainer is part of the We Own This Town network of podcasts based here in Nashville, Tennessee. Bandsplainer is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your favorite podcast. Follow Bandsplainer on Twitter or head to bandsplainer.show to keep up with new episodes. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Bandsplainer, the podcast where we explain bands and we are doing Death Grips. And our guest today is John Connor Colston, who is a music journalist here in Nashville. Thanks for coming on the show. Glad um, to be here, Olivia. Death Grits is actually the third modern band we've done in the show. Uh, most stuff has been kind of in the vein of like 60s, 70s, 80s, whatever. And I think the one this will be most similar to is kind of Animal Collective in the way that the artists uh, kind of collaborate with with each other and have side projects and also kind of genre-wise. The other modern band we did, of course, was Avid Brothers, which is kind of a totally different thing. Um, so this really? one is Death interesting. Brothers? Yeah, like I know. I, you wouldn't think. <laughs> um, so this one is particularly interesting because they're pretty active, as in they just put out like an album this year. Um, so everything we're going to talk about has been within the last literally eight years. So this is all pretty fresh stuff and kind of still still developing as a band. So I think Death Grips is definitely a cult band because they are. I guess you could say, how would you describe their genre? Experimental hip-hop? Yeah, it's like experimental, industrial hip-hop with like some like kind punk. Of, kind of metal punk, metal kind thing, of. Yeah. yeah. It's all of that in like a weird, noisy yeah, rap like an ball. avant-garde way of like doing that. Because I feel like it's unfair to just say like hip-hop, I guess. Which I feel like a lot of people, I guess that's like the pitchfork way to describe it, you know? (laughs) So anyway, they do all of this like through, kind of through the lens of like avant rap or avant-garde, kind of like noise and industrial, whatever. So I feel like they're, I feel like I, as far as comparing them to other bands, if you don't have a lot of context for Death Grips, I would say it's maybe like kind of Shabazz Palaces meets like... I don't even know, like, so like Sano or something. I don't know. Yeah, like, think of, like, I'm trying to think. If you listen to, I've heard people compare to, like, Atari Teenage Riot. Okay, The 90s yeah. band, like, with industrial and, like, yelling. Yeah. Um, as far as, like, modern hip-hop. You know, compare it to and you know, like Rat King has had some stuff like it. If you listen to Danny Brown's Danny uh, Brown's Atrocity, Atrocity yeah. yeah, which is interesting. So that album, particularly by Danny Brown, Atrocity Exhibition is a song. Uh, from an album by Joy Division, which was very, I think, instrumental in creating kind of like the prerequisite for what industrial music became because they were definitely kind of like new wave goth rock, kind of this crossover. Anyway, so Danny Brown kind of took those elements into a rap album and in a way it does kind of reflect this death grip sound. And so I feel like he kind of pulled some influence there. So it's kind of interesting Mm -hmm kind of interesting to do that because we have done a lot of new wave on this podcast and that kind of does kind of tie back into industrial there you know another Um, way to describe it for the normie people out there you know that kanye west song black skinhead (laughs) that but like really angry and made by an actual madman yeah i would yeah it's so death groups yeah it's it's a very abrasive form of all those bases like of all those bases of music. So it's very like abrasive and it's sometimes not easy to listen to. Yeah, not um, even close. Not even close. It's definitely not like listenable, but it's definitely boundary pushing, experimental, kind of all the things you would expect from a band that's described as that. <laughs> so anyway, we can start kind of kind of splaining here. So in 2010, Zach Hill, Stephen Burnett, and Andy Morin and Stephen Burnett is also known as MC Ride. That's like his stage name, project name, producer name, A lot whatever. cooler than Stephen, in my opinion. It, 
A little bit, yeah. Um, so they formed in Sacramento, California, and they started Death Grips. So a year after they formed, they put out this song called Full Moon, and apparently that was like the first, I guess, first time they ever recorded that was like the song they did. And then April of that year, they put out a self-titled EP. This is kind of like, I, I feel like they were kind of building a niche audience here, but not a lot of people still knew who Death Grips was before they were like a big pitchfork band playing festivals whatever and later that year they released i think their most popular mixtape or maybe most official and that's why it's the most popular because it's not like just on youtube but the ex-military mixtape which Um, is so good it's really good i think this is like where if you're getting into death grips i feel like you need to start with maybe one of the more accessible albums which we'll talk about later but ex-military i know when i was getting really into Death Grips, ex-military was something I I really dug into and helped me kind of understand the development of their sound. It's a really crazy first mixtape for a band. It's really out there. Yeah, um, that was because I was I got into Death Grips when that when that mixtape came out. I didn't know about the EP and stuff. Um, and like I, I I just heard like it's really abrasive, but like there's some cool stuff on it. Uh, I just remember listening to it and just being it was like probably at the time because I was like in what high school at the time and I was just this is like the most abrasive like hip hop I've ever heard but I really like it there's a couple songs on there that have a lot of heavy rock influence like they sample they sample like Link Ray's uh, Rumble what's the right song uh, and that kind of that's kind of was like a good grabbing point for me because I was mostly into rock uh, and like Spread Eagle Cross the Block is just like yeah just like trudging <laughs> just like rock song and that kind of got me grasping into it and then just kind of diving in from there. Yeah, I think so. I think it is a good like jumping off point. And that's kind of interesting that they do, even though they sound, I mean, it's crazy. Like you turn on a Death Grip song and you're like, I've never heard anything like this. But they do use these elements of rock kind of in a new way to to be able to like reach their audience, whatever. I don't know. And there's a lot of comparisons you could pull there. Even like a band like Spiritualized that uses all the tropes of rock in like an avant-garde way or whatever. They kind of do that, but make it so distorted and layered and, you and then know, scream over it. Crazy and literally, yeah, like yell over it. <laughs> and, there's, and there's just a lot of weird samples in there. I think that's because yeah. they sample like weird sounds and like their own music and stuff later on in their discography. But this one, they sample a lot of other artists. There's like a David Bowie sample. Uh, I think it starts out with like Charles Manson's spoken word and like just a a ton of just really odd, weird samples, really kind of, I think it's almost like their most hip hop moment in their discography just because that takes samples, just like kind of that tradition of like a mixtape and sampling. Yeah. And this is like, like you were saying, they pull samples from other things, but they do incorporate a lot of like, maybe not a lot, some like spoken word or like different vocal performances of their own or like things they wrote that other people did into their music later. So this is kind of the most organic hip hop uh, approach of making music of theirs. So 2012, they were a band for two years at this point and The Money Store is released and this is their first official studio album released through a record label. And The Money Store, I think... As they get weirder and weirder, this is a weird album. Even the cover art is, uh, I would say, yeah. off-putting. Um, uh, a quick story about that Death Grips cover art. When I was in high school, I made my mom buy me that CD and just didn't even think. And then I remember opening it on like Christmas morning, and I just like, my mother had to purchase this. I, yeah. I don't even want to know what she thinks of me yeah. right now. There's some there's some questionable things I've asked for like because you don't think about it you ask for it for Christmas or something like I did that with like a Ty Siegel record with like a crazy like scary face like the melted <laughs> record and my mom was just horrified like um, I had a friend that did that with the the second record we're gonna talk about No Love Deep Web which is like even, yeah that's a that's a, that's a, even yeah. worse of a record cover so the Money Store even though it is kind of their first official release they're kind of like finding their sound this one's still very accessible Mm -hmm. and i think when i first really got into death grips this was the first album i latched onto so i guess i got into death grips a little late like 2014 or so but i definitely kind of back listened to that one a lot so what songs are on this one i kind of want to go through some of the individual um Hacker, Get God. Hacker. So Hacker, I think, is one of my, like, favorite Death Grip songs. This one is, like, 
it's really crazy and it just has these like driving beats i I feel like i don't have words like describe how all that sounds it's like it's almost just like a a car like wreck happening so that that, like has this really driving synth that's like squealing and then he's yelling and it's like very pulsating almost rhythmic pulsating yeah and this okay so that is a word i would use so i feel like the money store is maybe the most rhythmic and melodic of the albums Mm -hmm. just because it was kind of like they started here and got more experimental as they went but this one i felt like i could understand in the context of the music i already listened to because it was at least like kind of enjoyable or whatever the word you yeah, have put there. It, it has a lot of, they're probably their most accessible stuff and their catchiest stuff. Catchy for sure. for sure. Like Get God and like Lost Boys and all that. It's very repetitive. A record, like this record immediately kind of caught the attention of like NME and Pitchfork and whatever. And they had a lot to say about it that I don't know if you can really describe the criticism they've been given in their career at all in the context of good or bad because it's like everyone was just observing what was happening and I don't know like I think I heard this was a band that was also just for context Death Grips was like huge at MTSU for some reason maybe in my (laughs) circle I don't know it seemed like everyone was always talking about Death Grips that was like the craziest thing we had ever heard and it was like oh, dude, have you heard this new Death Grits mixtape, whatever? I just remember someone describing them, like, during a conversation as, like, the future of music. Like, what what is music going to do next since, like, Death Grips is already doing it? Like, yeah, you know. I, I, see, Death Grips <laughs> has always been, like, a music dweeb or music nerd, like... For sure, which is why it's, like, a uh, cult yeah. thing. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, like, a Reddit bro band, I would say, maybe. Yeah, for better um, or for worse. For better yeah. or for worse, it really is. They, they deserve a lot of the acclaim, but it comes from weird places a lot of the time. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but, yeah, it's just... Yeah, I've, I'm one of those people who kind of was going... Seeing it all kind of unfold as it was releasing. And I just remember when Money Store came out, it was just... Because a lot of people didn't really listen to Ex Military. This was the first, like I said, first full official release. Yeah, because this was, was like, like people hadn't heard yeah. of them. So it was mm-hmm. like an explosion. And it was just like, how? where did these guys come from? The sound is so crazy. It's so very finely produced by um, Flatlander or Andy, whatever you want to yeah. call him. Uh, it's just so finely produced. Catchy. Like, it's just really, I think this album uh, and, and one of their later ones, Bottomless Pit, really epitomize... Yeah. Um, catchy and abrasive just like the perfect meld of those yeah. things yeah and i think that's, that's what i think that's it. why so many people kind of jumped on it because like there's a lot of people who listen to abrasive weird stuff but this is one that like you can like it's catchy you want to listen to it you yeah. can you can also kind of show it to people and like not then be totally scared away and weirded yeah. away yeah and that's what i feel like anyone who i've tried to like get into death Grits, i'm like this is the album i show before i play like you know, government plates or something, and they're just, like, (laughs) turned off by it. And kind of the interesting part of any cult band, but especially Death Grips, is that they have this crazy following. If you're going to, like, like we did, like, MTSU, a college where people are, like, there for music or, you know, media things, it's, like, they, it's, like, everyone's talking about it, everyone's, like, obsessed with it, and the people who are fans of Death Grips, like, us or, like, whoever, you know all these weird things about them and are kind of tracking their progress but then you know to obviously the outside world as with a lot of these like bands people have no idea what death grips is and when they hear it they don't get it and they don't want to get it kind of thing so it is interesting that they have this following of people that's so like um such a like tight small following whatever yeah Um, Yeah. and around this point uh after the money store came out and before they leaked no love deep web this is where that fan base kind of really kind of starts to yeah to really form because it was also 2012 like which is i mean before i got into them but still that is a time in music where this was i think a lot of people also because of the music journalism and kind of stuff happening around this time there was kind of a reaction to like all the indie pop movement whatever and people were starting to kind of appreciate avant-garde music to whatever capacity that meant so I think also Death Grips here, like you were saying, it's catchy, was bridging people who were fans of like metal and hip hop and indie rock and whatever, and that's how they created this weird fan base. Mm-hmm. So anyway, later that year, they get dropped <laughs> from their record label because they decided to yeah. leak their next album, yeah. which is called No Love Deep Web, 
appropriately deep web, you know, they just like put it on the internet and lose their record deal. And I think they, I mean, they did it on purpose. Yeah, they you know? um, they did this really good interview, or I don't know, good interview, but it's it's a very <laughs> interesting. It's about as deep of an interview you can get out of Death Grips because they're very notoriously mysterious and all these things. Yeah. Um, they recorded this album like I think right around the same time as Money Store, and they were just kind of sitting on it. They thought they were going to put it out in October, all ready to roll. They turned it into Epic Records, and they're like, all right, well, we're just going to put this out next year. You know, got to space out the releases, yeah. and that made them very angry. Um, they, like, rented out... They used their entire record advance to, like, rent out a fancy hotel suite in L.A., and what they said in that interview, they were just, like, trying to, like, surround themselves with these, like, flashy, terrible L.A.-type people, because uh, those are the people they were having to deal with every day to get their record out. Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird... They explain it better if you go read the Pitchfork interview. But they were just so fed up with it at that point that uh, Zach Hill goes to the bathroom, takes a picture of his penis, uh, with, the, with of course, the album name written on it. Yeah, um, right, they, just right on there. And, and that's they, the album cover. And they just leak it out. I think they put it on, like, Mega Upload or something. They just put it out like, hey, here's our album. Uh, in addition to a lot of... They also had teased it with a lot of, like augmented reality viral marketing things with yeah. reddit and they put out like some b-sides and like alternate instrumentals for money store and stuff and then it was finally just like okay here's the album here's no love deep web screw uh, yeah the and if you're gonna do if you're gonna leak your record i guess that's the way to do it you might as like, well leak your nudes as well you might you know? as well yeah just put it all out there but no love deep web so when i first got into death grips i kind of did kind of go in order of the albums even though it wasn't relevant to the time but no love deep web the interesting thing for me and this is what got me just kind of like obsessed with death grips is i went to this festival called big ears that i've talked about on the podcast <laughs> and it like totally like rocked my world because i saw just like I don't know if, if you if you're listening to the podcast, you probably may know about Big Ears, but if you don't, it's just kind of this festival that is um, there's no genre. It kind of it's been described as like dancing on the grave of like genre or boundaries <laughs> or borders or whatever. Um, so I had seen all these weird. I saw like a drone exhibition by Laurie Anderson, Lou Reed's wife, and. Um, all these things, and then on the way home from that trip, I listened to No Love Deep Web, and I was like, I think I get avant like music, you know. And this like drove it home in a modern sense for me because it is droney at some points, and it definitely incorporates like noise and static and production, whatever. And so it should be noted here: Andy Morin does all the production, and Steven or MC Ride is like the vocalist, and Zach Hill does percussion and things related to that but the production on this record is really like nothing else i had ever heard and it's like it does bring in all those weird avant like noise and drone things mm. into this like hip-hop production style yeah. um it's like simultaneously like stripped down compared to the earlier stuff but also really bombastic and in your face and loud at the same time yeah and it's um I don't know. I think the best, the one that reminds me, like I noted Shabazz Palaces earlier, is Bass Rattle Stars Out the Sky. Literally sounds like a, like just like a Shabazz Palaces on crazy steroids <laughs> or something. So this one is still a bit like, I'd say like two or three of the songs on here. Definitely, maybe you could just listen to them on your own or if you're showing someone Death Grips, it's like, okay, this is a hip hop song or this is a like punk song. I don't know. This is a pretty cohesive, you know, record altogether. But it's still kind of driving off of the sound of their earlier work. But you can tell they've advanced production-wise here, I think is like the most important thing to note. Yeah. yeah but, it gives off like a real animalistic almost vibe. Like, there's obviously a lot of aggression if you listen to the earlier stuff, but this is almost like a primal. Primal's the best way to describe Death Grits. I was actually having a conversation the other day with some friends, and they were like, they were like, this just makes me want to like, when you listen to Death Grits, you kind of feel like, maybe you have like a stress response to it. Like when you're listening to it, you like, when I listen to it, I always like drive faster. Like I can't listen to it when I'm driving or whatever, but it's like you want to punch a wall or something when you hear Death Grips. It is this like primal. And I think it's funny that primal describes it so well because it's so far removed from organic sound, you know, mm -hmm. but it does have this primal drive behind it. And No Love Deep Web for sure has that, you know, going for it. I think my other favorite songs on this one are like Little Boy, uh, whammy, pop, and I don't know. There, there's yeah, a lot I, of good I really ones. like uh, Whammy. 
I'm trying to think of the other. There's a couple on there that almost kind of have a tinge of that money store electronic vibe behind it. I think Bass Stars Rattle the Sky is another one. I may be misthinking, but they have a lot no, of like, that really one tricky does electronics have, yeah. in it. And I would like to look into, maybe I will, what kind of gear they use. I don't know. Now that I like work in an analog gear shop, I'm like really, it changed my whole opinion on music, learning that like all like LCD sound system used all analog gear on Sound of Silver. And I'm like, I wonder what like these other bands are like using to like, yeah, <laughs> no, it's crazy. And like to create this, these sounds, like I wonder how much is done in Pro Tools or like how much is recorded with like real drums and then how much is done with like mm-hmm. What kind of machines are they using? Should look into that. But I think that also is part of their fan base. Obviously, this is a very music nerd band. So I think the fact that they do use so many kind of different sounds or maybe different instruments to get to those sounds Mm. is an appeal for a lot of people. And then I think also No Love Deep Web, going back to just kind of like the fan base of Death Grips. This was another big point. Got a lot of rally cry. Just leaking your album with a dick pic, like just has like this anarchist streak in it, and it just it like people were just loving it yeah. on Reddit. We're just really digging into it. There was a whole conspiracy, like did they stage this? Is this a publicity thing? No, it really yeah. wasn't. But there's all everyone was just going crazy, like well these guys are just so wild and put yeah. out this really crazy record and pissed off their company. And I think that is kind of just like got most of the people into the door. Yeah, for sure. For their big core fan base. Yeah. And that's, I mean, and I think they knew, they definitely knew what they were doing and appealing to those kinds of people because it is like this very punk, it's like modern day punk rock. I think Death Grips is way more punk than any of the stuff you're going to see at Riot Fest or Warped Tour, like whatever people are doing these days. With that, like that is a hot take, and, but it is an accurate it's hot It's true. Take. I mean, I like <laughs> punk is not what it used to be. Like, I hate being that person because I wasn't even alive when Earl Punk was around. <laughs> but, like, it's not. And, like, Death Grips is, like, as far as fundamental, like, like ethics of punk rock, like, Death Grips is doing that. Yeah, like, Warped Tour bands won't scare your parents. This will. Yeah, this this <laughs> truly, if you're, like, this is, like, equivalent to, like, bringing home a, like, Black Flag record in 1982. If your parents, like, I remember... I've like sh- tried to show my parents a Death Grips song, and I, it was something to the effect of like "You need Jesus" or like was their response. Yeah. So it's also should be noted that this was their first crazy release, but kind of here on they've done almost like neurotic ways of promoting their album, and it's almost always with releasing something to YouTube or mm-hmm. taking a social media hiatus and coming back with like one song or a piece of performance art which we can get into individually, but that's kind of like a theme and that is kind of their anarchist streak that people like about them is like they disappear for a year and then come back and are like, here's this weird YouTube mixtape yeah. or like whatever. I, I think at this point they saw how strong people responded yeah. to like the weird augmented reality scavenger hunt stuff they did before No Love Deep Web and then just how the leaking and the different torrents and they always put out their instrumentals and stems and stuff. They, they, they had such yeah. a strong response from all this. They were like, okay, we can really play into this. Yeah, it's they just can. like they could. weird burner Twitter accounts yeah. that we yeah. post once a year. Like they really lean into it from this point out. Yeah. And I think that's what, you know, that's like what makes them a cult bit, you know, whatever. A lot of this, they are putting out the stems or instrumental tracks. And I think something that's cool that I saw happen when I was in college is people would actually take those stems and like make their own music with it and like me and my friends did that once like I would do like a synth thing over it and then my friends would like do a guitar track whatever and it was like available for you so they kind of wanted you to do that obviously no one was really making money off of that but it was a fun way for people to like make their own music that was experimental kind of like with a little help or something and that was very much part of their fan base too is that these people are mm-hmm. all kind of making their own music or really interested yeah. in music they, so. kind of, they kind of brought like that open source mentality of technology into music yeah they're putting all their all their instrumental stems all the vocal stems and actively on it's not like a weird thing they leak somewhere which they kind of do but they also it's on their website still i think yeah. i know ex-military stems are still on their website i think money stores stems are still on their website you can download the zip file have fun go crazy make yeah. weird remixes yeah and i think that's really cool and they kind of like leave it open there 2013 they released a series of videos called no hands on youtube and I guess either a few months later or part of this series of videos is a song called Lock Your Doors. And they recorded it at a South by Southwest show that they played. 
And Zach Hill was on Skype playing drums <laughs> during the show, and then they recorded that and then put that on YouTube. So it's kind of very meta, but that got a lot of people excited. And then that summer, they were scheduled, supposedly, allegedly scheduled to play Lollapalooza. Well, they, they were scheduled to play Lollapalooza. They're on the lineup and everything. Yeah. But they never had any intention of showing up. Yeah, so that's for them. They weren't ever going to play the show. But preface that, they have a history of just canceling Canceling entire tours. They're very much like the Morrissey of of Pitchfork bands today. They canceled a Money Store tour just to record No Love Deep Web. And there's other random tours and stuff that they backed out of. And then the Lollapalooza one was kind of the epitome of it. Uh, And I think they kind of learned their lesson around then too because of what happened. yeah. So they were supposed to like play Lollapalooza and they, the night before they were supposed to like DJ or play an after party for the night, the festival from the night before. And they didn't show up. (laughs) This is just like the most trolling. This is, this is like kind of horrible. Um, and they didn't show up. They played just like a, like a playlist of pre-recorded music and they put a child's drum kit, <laughs> like that children learn to play the drums with, on stage, and projected a fan's suicide note, like in the in like in the format of an email on the stage, and just didn't show up. And that was and what made they everyone did. so mad. The people jumped on stage and tore the little drum kit apart. Yeah, uh, but according to Death Grips, this was all like performance art. That was the show. Yeah, that's that's the, the exact quote they said. They said that the drum kit and the note and the pre-recorded tracks. They were like, well, that was the show. That like that was the literal quote they gave. And so they didn't show up to Lollapalooza as people expected at that point, yeah. and they didn't show up to the after party. Yeah. See, they <laughs> so referencing back to that pitchfork interview they did around no love deep web they uh they talk about how zach hill talks about how they want the band to be like bigger and more abstract and like not even a real band yeah at one point they wanted to do a tour where there were like five death grips touring around the country at once and none of them were the actual death grips and weird performance art stuff like this they obviously but they they had a desire to do that. Obviously, their fan base was not very receptive of that concept. Yeah. Well, it's like they could have done it in a way that wasn't totally rude, like blowing off their fans, which yeah, is kind like of a, a line. A switch, pretty much. Yeah, which is a line I guess you have to toe with performance art because there's a lot of parallels here to kind of like Devo had all these bands that weren't Devo, but they were Devo, you know, whatever, like that we did an episode on. I don't know, but it does show that they had this like inkling to do or performance art, whatever. But for them, what's interesting is their performance art only works in a digital space. Like it's only received well when they're doing it on YouTube or social Mm -hmm. media or Twitter or like whatever. And when they've tried to do it in real life, fans have not liked it. And I think part of that is because they have such like a devoted fan base, they don't tour a lot and they have canceled all these shows that people like just want to see them play. So in 2014, they, this is the next year, and this is also like when I started getting into them, they released a record called Government Plates. This one's interesting. Yeah. I feel like I don't know anyone who like, this is their favorite record. Uh, honestly, know? I don't even treat it like a real Death Grips album. It's like That's, a little side It doesn't side feel one. like it. Yeah. Because I feel like even ex-military is more essential Death Grips than Government Plates. Mm. It's like, it's a lot of instrumental type things. It has that same aesthetic, same Death Grips vibe, a lot less MC ride on it. In fact, he has a lot of minimal vocal parts on a lot of it. And then they sample his voice a lot. Like, they just cut up his voice and use that as part of the instrumental. And that, that makes up a lot of the tracks on there. And just to me, it almost it just felt like a little side project, a little detour yeah. to me than a full album. Yeah, and this is an interesting time for the band, too, because I feel like I don't know the full story. I don't know that anyone really knows what really happened here. So they release, <laughs> they release government plates, and then they're like, we're disbanding, goodbye. Um, yeah, they, uh, but it's like, did they really disband? Was that another like stunt they were doing to like either like bait their fan base or like piss people off? I don't really know. Um, yeah, they say they're gonna put out one more album, The Powers That Be, which they've been working on. They put out like half of it, uh, at least the first half of it, which is an expletive on the moon. Can't say that because it's the N word. Yeah. Um, they put it out and they're like, we're gonna we're gonna stop 
after this, but we're going to put this album out and everyone doesn't really know how to take it. A lot of people are just like, oh, Morning, The Death Grips, wow, what a great band in this short time. Yeah. Some people are like, eh, are they actually breaking up? Uh, and, and obviously they, they didn't, but at the time yeah. they said they were. It was a very interesting time and I think it did make more people, it was like, oh, let's eulogize this, mm-hmm. like, for, this band that was alive for four years. But it's also fishy because they had just signed to Warp Records right before... Mm-hmm. They in twenty fourteen, right before they released government plates. But the powers that be is maybe one of the most interesting death grips things out there. So when they broke up or disbanded, they were like they had been hyping through YouTube and whatever. They had been hyping this record, this two part record called The Powers That Be. Mm-hmm. And the first part was In Word on the Moon. On the Moon. And the second part was supposed to be called Jenny Death. Jenny Death. And Ginny Death is, like, the the most, like, mythical whatever part of the Death Grips, like, existence, yeah, fan because, base. because they gave everybody that first half, which, fun fact, is also made up of a bunch of Bjork vocal samples, which is yes, another weird yeah, thing. Yeah, that was, yeah. A whole other thing, but... And Bjork, that's a f- cool thing. Bjork is a huge fan of Death Grips, which I think is, like... Um, perfect like no, that's like fitting. an interesting like combination yeah uh, they're the bjork of industrial hip-hop they really are <laughs> they are um but so they put out that first half um people are like i mean it, it got a weird reception people were like we want to see the full thing um and people were like oh we want to hear part two jenny death jenny death win is like a weird thing that reddit and twitter people just go jenny death win jenny death win and jenny so death they started yeah so they started the literal phrase jenny death win and there's also more like later actually like this year they kind of have this thing where they'll put kind of a phrase out on the internet and then it's kind of like what are they going to do with it and death it's usually either online. yeah death Grips <laughs> is online and then people meme it or like whatever like i remember making a twitter meme out of it and being like this is hilarious and then it ends up being like a song title or uh part or they of a turn project it into a song or title. or they do once it becomes viral yeah, i guess they kind of put the feeler out yeah there. they definitely know what's going on with their fan base and at this point uh, from this point in the discography, and then, of course, currently as we're recording this, they definitely know what their fan base is doing, oh, what yeah. they're saying, what they like. They definitely lurk on their Reddit. Oh, yeah. Because uh, around this time, when everyone's like, Jenny Deathwin, they put out Fashion Week, this yes. instrumental release, and then... Completely every- instrumental. So yeah. it's like a... It was a whole record that they didn't tease. Like, this is one of the only projects they, had, they hadn't teased, like, really to any capacity. And they put out Fashion Week, and it's like... Or I don't know what the exact it's like titles runway, are. It's like runway. Runway. J, okay. Runway yeah. E. So, runway yeah, N. Two. Yeah. It's and, runway whatever with the letter, and it spells out like Jenny Deathwin because that became a thing, <laughs> and they were like instead of releasing Jenny Death, we're gonna release these Fashion Week instrumental stems, and it's gonna spell out this like meme. Yeah. It's it's like they I think they maybe just wanted to please their audience to just put something out by also still hyping up Jenny Death by putting the by like writing off of that like excitement but it's actually really good I feel like um this is kind of a break from the harshness that is Death Grips mm -hmm. and this is like it's instrumental so it's kind of like a a Brian Eno kind of move it's more like it kind of fits into the space that you're listening to and yeah there's no vocals on this so it's also another thing where people were kind of it leaves it up to interpretation. People are either making their own music or being like, what does this mean? It like, because it gives a message by using the song titles, but it doesn't explicitly, you know, give any message here, which is, uh, yeah, really it, interesting. it feeds into like how, how much you're, you're playing into the death grips, like mystery and the fantasy. Cause some people are like totally all in every little thing, every note of every song spells out something yeah. and an anagram or it's just like, okay, they obviously just had some instrumental demos yeah. lying around and they wanted to put something out or put yeah. them out. But it's a lot of music too. Like it's, I mean, it's a 14 song record. Um, so it's like, I feel like they have a lot of music lying around, but yeah, as far as that, I feel like I don't even in this podcast want to get into like every, cause it's like there are fan theories about individual songs, you know, whatever. And I feel like I don't. Yeah. If 
it just search like Death Grips Theory <laughs> yeah. and, they, and the Reddit thread for Death Grips, which is incredibly active. Even it's it's very active even right now. It's yeah, very they active. have like, everything. Like I think one of the latest ones before this last album was like someone was trying to figure out the intervals between their tweets and like this, the the times where they're on and retweeting things and not. And does that mean anything? Like does the number of tweets they're at yeah. currently mean anything? Like all those kind of things. They they they're trying to map it out and, and figure it out like that. It's always Sunny in Philadelphia meme with Charlie like pointing at all the. All the weird notes oh, on the yeah, wall. Yeah. That is how a lot of the Death Grips fans, at least on Reddit, are. It really is. Um, and no I guess some Reddit of it. No offense. Because, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Death Grips fans are listening to this. So it's like, I don't even want to get into all of those because I don't want to, like, say anything I don't know. But it's like, some of them may be a reach, some of them may be true. I don't know. Death Grips <laughs> is pretty crazy. So, also during this time, right after Ginny Deathwin, you know, Fashion Week, Zach Hill and Andy Morin form the ILYs, which you should give a listen. It's an interesting... I, I never have actually Really, to it's an interesting side project. And it's also cool to note while we're on side projects that Zach Hill is... I didn't realize this. So I was really into this band, Boredoms, from Osaka, Japan. And their first few records are like crazy noise music. And like I had all like almost every song they ever made was on this giant playlist I had called music for when i hate music and i think there's this thing with like i feel like i've talked to other people and they have this is when you um it's kind of a tangent but when you are a like an avid music listener you get sick of real music sometimes like there's a cyclical nature to being like a person who listens to hours and hours of music every day of your life and it's like to a point where you're listening to like rock and then you get into weird things and then you are you know whatever and I feel like when I get so tired of real music and it's especially after I've been to like Bonnaroo or Pitchfork or whatever and I've been around a lot of live music that I get so sick of real music that all I can listen to is like noise and jazz like weird jazz like Eric Dolphy whatever not even like sun I can't even listen to Sun Ra or like John Coltrane anyway so I have this whole playlist and it's like uh their first few records are crazy noise and then they have minimalist kind of ambient records and they on one have 30 drummers <laughs> and Zach Hill is one of them anyway so he's the drummer in this band Boredoms and so that kind of also speaks like the influence he's in a he's in a lot of other projects but he was in a band kind called of, what Hella before he started Death Grips I think so yeah so he's always been doing like really experimental percussion and stuff and I think that's cool because that all it's a lot like Animal Collective how AV Tear will remix panda bear stuff or whatever he's like using this kind of same like momentum of like genre and like avant music and then he's doing totally different thing i don't know it's really cool so that's like a japanese band that zach hill just happens to like be in <laughs> um so they started the Wise, and uh i guess that's still i don't know if they're still putting out music I feel but like they, they, put out, they put out an album or two yeah I, I i never really got into it i know some people of course the death grips fervent where really into it and we're looking for clues in that as well yeah um but i, I just i never I want, I want more death grips if anything yeah so around this time they it's a year 2015 they do i guess an interview and they were like we're gonna we're thinking about putting out more music or making more music and they I found a cool quote that they described themselves as like Death Grips has always been a conceptual art exhibition anchored by sound and vision because they were people are like, where's the new music? And they're like, we're performance art, you know, yeah. whatever. It either comes off really deep or really pretentious, depending on depending, you know, how you see Death Grips. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of the band. That, I mean, that's kind of the same as Devo is like even recently Devo said they were like because of their whole message of de-evolution or whatever and the way they are performance art they were like right now in 2018 devo is the the band on the titanic you know so i think that's interesting i kind of love these like self-described quotes about bands about their performance art so anyway in 2015 they put out a ser another series of youtube videos called bottomless pit and one of those videos was Karen, the actress Karen Black, like two months before she died, reciting a script that Zach Hill wrote for a film they were going to do with her. And they hadn't really announced that they were going to do the film. And then she ends up dying and they never do it. So it's kind of a weird video out there that this like exists that Karen Black was going to do a 
you know, Death Grips film. So after that, they released the record Bottomless Pit in 2016. And this is a really good record. This got a lot of critical acclaim, also some criticism. But as far as people who were woke with what Death Grips was doing, (laughs) uh, got a lot of critical acclaim. And this one is one that I feel like you can listen to start to finish. And it's like a really good, cohesive, conceptual, just like kind of perfect Death Grips record. Yeah, I I really love this record because... See, around the time The Powers That Be was coming out, and whenever they finally put out the Jenny Death half of it, I was just kind of kind of done with the whole Death Grips mystery kind of thing. And like that, it's like you a, wanted something tangible at this point, and I think a lot of fans did. Yeah, you know? and when they put out that album, it was a double album, like, double album, just so much Death Grips. And like me personally, I couldn't get that into it just because it was so much, and there was just so much build up to it. So I had kind of checked out, and I'm like, all right, well, Death Grips is done. We're good. And yeah. Like, and they start yeah. back up. <laughs> And I kind of, you know, tuned out of Death Grips, and then I see that this record was coming out, uh, and this really kind of reignited my interest in Death Grips, and I think a lot of people were that way, just because it almost, it's almost like they're hitting a reset button at this point. I think so, and it's like, they do kind of move on. Powers That Be was very much, I think, um, popular within their fan base, and it was still, I remember when it came out, everyone, like, playing it all the time, like, especially the, like, Piss Piss song, which is, like, <laughs> really, it was just a cool, like, it was, like, a song you could play at a party, whatever, and here they did kind of set a reset and put out this record that's an evolved version of what they've been doing already, I think, but after the instrumental thing, I think this was kind of like a saving grace for them. But this one, this one, I feel like you should listen to, this is maybe the most Death Grips record. (laughs) I don't know. Um, If you want to listen to it start to finish, it's really interesting. I think BB Poison is uh, probably my favorite on this one, but the first two songs are pretty good. Mm-hmm. I love get, get, uh, giving bad giving people, bad good, people ideas. good ideas. Because the second it yeah. turns on, there's like this uh, female vocal, like kind of chopped up and weird, uh, and then it just like explodes. Like it's like they played a song, a fast punk song, and then turned it up one and yeah, a half. Yeah, it's like a chopped and screwed, bass boosted whatever thing and that's with a sick guitar riff just thrown in there too and that's what this they also bring back the rock element here because Mm -hmm. uh the Ginny death win is very much like i feel like mostly you know done on a computer whatever and here they're kind of testing the limits of like organic sound in the mix of all of this Mm -hmm. it's really fast it's really punk it so, is very It's punk. almost like their most punk record, in my opinion. It's very, like, pow- like power violence, mm-hmm. uh, like, elements there, which I really like, because I love punk rock as kind of, it's a, I don't, I don't know, that's kind of what got me into all this music, so it's kind of like a punk rock meets hip-hop, whatever here, um, more evident ever so than in their discography before, I think. Yeah. It's just really um, lean, really fast, it's like, a, it's like a burst of energy kind of in, into their discography again. Especially kind of after they're like, oh, we're we're quitting, we're stopping. It just kind of it was almost like a the shot the shot cardiac. Yeah, pads. I think so. Yeah, and it's very drum machine oriented. And I think, I mean, they do have a song that's like eight oh eight oh eight. So I think they did use quite a bit. You can kind of tell by the sound they use a lot of like electric guitar and like analog uh, drum machines, which is really cool because you you can uh, kind of distort that sound more so than you could doing it on Pro Tools or. Ableton or whatever, you can kind of make a drum machine sound however you want. And so I think that's cool that they kind of tested limits there with that. Yeah, so in 2017, they they hadn't done anything for a second since Bottomless Pit. I think they kind of let that one ride out and it was definitely on a lot of like album of the year list and like whatever. And I think, I guess a couple years before that, they played like Bonnaroo and like whatever. So it's like at this point, they're solidified as what Death Grips is going to be or what it is. And they're Mm -hmm. kind of in this like groove of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Like we were saying with that being like a tangible difference in recording. So in 2017, they on YouTube released a a mix, I guess, mixtape called Steroids parentheses Crouching Tiger Hidden Gabber Mega Mix. It's just like it's like it sounds like a bunch of B sides they just like crammed together into one long. I think so. Like one giant song. song, yeah. Twenty two minutes. Um, Twenty two minutes, nice. And so also this year, 
This is really interesting. So they had been on tour. I remember they came to Nashville in like 2015 or something like that. 2016, I remember that show because I missed it. The same. I missed it. I had to go see some (laughs) local show in Murfreesboro that night. And I was very, I was like, I can't believe I skipped Death Grips. And I'll always regret that. Um, It's fine. And so, but this in 2017, they went on a co-headlining tour with, of all bands, Ministry. So I, I don't know. Do do with that what you will. It's I know. Metal. Yeah, I mean it <laughs> technically is, and I know a lot of people that like drove. They didn't come. With, they went to weird places on that tour. They went to like the Midwest, and I, I don't know. Maybe they knew where their fans were. Urban I don't know. Industrial punk to yeah, the middle, the yeah, middle to America. To the middle Americans, you know, and maybe America needed it at this time. You know, maybe they did need a Death Grips tour in the Midwest in 2017. <laughs> like, I, maybe that's a necessity. See, what happened um, is Donald Trump got elected in 2016, and they like we got to change this. We have to. I don't know it's really interesting but I don't know that's also a note everyone was like oh like after the 2016 election there's going to be so much good punk rock and like they're really I don't know like Imagine Dragons top the you know <laughs> billboard charts this year so it's like maybe Death Grips is the wave of punk rock like they are the new wave of punk rock of post 2016. I don't know. Maybe that's a fan theory. I don't know. <laughs> so they went on this co-headlining ministry tour. Kind of threw people for a loop. Kind of fits, you know, at a Death Grip show. They're very, like, violent shows. Like, it's, like, very much, like, punk um, moshing and, like, whatever. So that brings us to 2018, to the current year, where they're still active. So the beginning of this year, they released three singles, which ended up being on a record, but the record was not announced at the time. And they get on Twitter after a break, and they have a Twitter account that's like BB Poltergeist, and they just tweeted, Death Grips are online. Yeah, which... I was see. I was looking into that, and it's like a random thing. They another fan, like a fan, had tweeted, and I guess they liked they, the, yeah, the vibe they of found it. it. Yeah. So they tweeted it out themselves, and that just like made into an yeah. entire fan base. And it meme. was like trending, and everyone was like doing memes. I remember I made a meme out of it, and it was like Salem the Cat from Sabrina the Teenage Witch. <laughs> and there's like a screenshot, and that's also like one of my favorite TV shows of all time. So I have like a whole collection of um, of memeable things from that show, and it's like the cat like on a computer. It just says I'm online, and I like tagged Death Grips in it. And I was like, thought that was hilarious. Did and they retweet you? I think they did. Like a lot of the fans did, but it was it was cool. It was like this weird fan thing because it's like I woke up one day and am seeing like a million tweets mm-hmm. of like Death Grips are online. I'm like Death Grips are online, guys. Like they're back online. Like <laughs> texting my friends like Death Grips are online. It'll it'll like trend and everyone gets really confused. And, and then but you still jump into it. It's yeah. like no one knew what it was. I was like, are they putting out new mu- music? <laughs> like is this just a thing? I'm still going to tweet about it. Like Reddit's going crazy. I, I think it's just, I think they tweet that whenever Zach Hill and Zebra Burnett and Flatland are just like, need some new memes. I think you so. Know? Maybe they just need them for a personal collection. They're like, okay, let's see what these guys can come up with. See some dank memes, boys. Um, Death Grip are online. Yeah. And I Send. think Death Grips, it's kind of interesting how meme culture intersects with mm-hmm. Death Grips. Like, as funny as that sounds, like, being in college at the time, like, the people I hung out with that were really into Death Grips, it was also, like, being into this, like, alt meme culture, which mm-hmm. is kind of a replication of, like, you know, it's like modern day Dada kind of mm-hmm. this absurdist humor. And it goes along with this absurdist music and this fan base they have that's very much internet oriented. And I think Death Grips, even into 2018 with this, does a good job of keeping kind of forum culture alive, which is how all their fans probably got into music because it's people that are younger millennials. That are on, like, the Mew thread. And, yeah, and yeah. So it's interesting because I'm sure all the people that listen to Death Grips now, like, when they were in high school, like me, would get on Tumblr forums or whatever forums talking about these punk bands or hip-hop artists they liked. And now Death Grips kind of keeps that culture alive, which is pretty interesting mm-hmm. because now it's, like, everyone... In a way, people are like, oh, I already know everything about this band, or I already am into them, whatever, and Death Grips is still kind of like, let's learn all these new things, or come up with these theories, and keep this weird, 
you know, cultish, like, Beatles-esque, like, fan base, <laughs> you know, like, alive. So it's pretty cool. They put out a pretty good record this year mm-hmm. called Year of the Snitch, and it had a song called Death Grips Are Online on it, and I'm sure that they named it that, like, after yeah. the meme wave, but they did they, put they out three to, singles. They listened to their fans. They did, and then they were like, <laughs> we're going to name a song for you guys, for your, for your you know, humor here. Mm-hmm. They apparently have booked a couple festivals. They're going to play, like, Buku Festival in, like, two or three months. And I guess that's in New Orleans and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, I don't know. Have they done really anything after they released the record this year? I feel like they... No, I think, that, I think that's just kind of been their, their big thing. And then randomly tweeting Death Grips is online. Cause like, whenever they're whenever yeah, they log in, yeah, um, yeah, they have been doing a very like intermittent. They'll take a break and then come back and be online again on mm-hmm. Twitter or whatever, and like reshare mm-hmm. like old YouTube stuff or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the Death Grips Reddit never sleeps. It never. If you does. look there, there Those are posts every hour. With... I kind of love that though. It's yeah. just like so because it's really rare. You know, nowadays it's like oh, everyone like. I don't know. It's 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 different. It's you know it's different than the same things everyone else yeah. is like listening they, to. They just have a about. constant hunger for death grips. I think so. Just because there's no one else doing anything like it, and so I guess the only other things to note are that they really are because they do things like leak albums and advertise kind of their stuff online. They don't do a lot of like media interviews, or they'll like they'll book an interview or a show and like cancel it or they like won't speak on the record and kind of stuff like that and it kind of I feel like as much as it would help people maybe understand Death Grits more it does keep that like crazy like fan base alive by not giving yeah. it not giving a plain interview you yeah know, like whatever. A, pu- a publicist would hate their album rollouts and stuff however oh, yeah. i mean like they, yeah. but it does wonders to keep their kind of their fans happy to break just keep that online hunger and online mystery going yeah and it works for them i mean death grips is wildly popular within the people they want to be popular with and they definitely have this crossover appeal to people that are into you know like like, as much as I, like, joke about, like, Pitchfork being their audience, it's, like, people who are into Pitchfork are in, right now, in 2018, it's everything from Death Grips to, like, Mitski, you know? And so I think they have this audience of people that are just trying to keep up with trends in music, not for the sake of being trendy, but to, like, understand what's happening culturally and, you know, what is, like, developing in music or whatever. So that's kind of interesting, but then they have a fan base of, like, people that are into this weird hip-hop, you know, whatever, and then metal and punk and all that. And I don't know, going back to the Danny Brown thing, too, when I think about that, Danny Brown was one of my first hip-hop records, like, that and Abdash Soul, and I think that's what made me kind of have this, like, precedent for listening to Death Grips, because it was so bizarre, and I was just like, okay, like, this is hip-hop, and then once you get into it, it's like not just hip hop, but so you I don't can get know. in it too from a hip hop area or like me, I well, got into exactly. the rock area. Yeah, yeah. So Coming you can together. you can kind of it is a very it's like the solidarity meme, you know, like it's like all the hands in the middle, like hip hop fans, metal fans, pitchfork fans, dark poetry. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. That's Death pretty much cool. Death Grips. Um, I feel like if you're gonna listen to Death Grips, listen to the Money Store. Mm-hmm. And then maybe bottomless pit. I don't know. Maybe um, maybe ex military, which you can't get actually ex military. Yeah, I would say listen to money store to start out, and then ex military, and then just go just go from there. Bottomless pit is definitely maybe my favorite record, but mm-hmm. just go from there. No love deep web. Yeah. Go watch crazy. some of their music videos, like because those oh, are their own thing, yeah. and they're really crazy. Music and videos cool. are cool, which is part of their the visual element that really goes with the the bizarre just total bizarreness like of their sound whatever every um, music video was filmed with a ten dollar budget yeah but they're the coolest thing crazy um very very kind of diy punk which is cool yeah so um that is death grips sean connor thank you for being on the show thank today. you for having me and, Olivia. Um, thank you guys for listening to bandsplainer